1: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, still in Albuquerque, New Mexico for a few more days, having a good time with the wife, just kind of reconnecting and she and the sides taking a little downtime. But of course, the show must go on. Appreciate your feedback from Monday's show. Had a lot of people reach out. I don't know what was so special about that one. Maybe I should stay in New Mexico for a little while. But uh, a good show tonight, a lot to talk about. Great top 10 list today. Some big news happening back in Starkville. I'll be headed back this weekend. That's a plan, anyway. Um, don't really want to leave, but got to leave. You know, life goes on. You know, can't just live uh, in a Hallmark movie. You know, we got to get back and run the show. And should be uh, probably on Monday, we'll have a media opportunity as we discuss uh, Mississippi State's bowl selection. We're going to talk about kind of the latest of what I'm hearing. Of course, you know, when my wife is working or sleeping, I'm still on the phones and kind of connected with our folks back in Starkville. So I'm eager to share that with you. I'm not just out here recreating though I did have a great time the last couple days we went and stayed at this uh hot spring spa in Santa Fe New Mexico called uh Oyo Caliente. I think that was correct I thought or maybe it's Ojo Ojo Santa Fe either way it was great. The hot springs spa incredible did some yoga this morning felt really refreshed, got home from that, and uh, we laid down to watch Netflix, and Netflix ended up watching us for a while because uh, took a nap. Yeah, did. She's got to work tonight, so uh, we got some cool things planned. I'm I'm enjoying being out here. It's been really good for me and being good for her, too. Uh, It's great, and I encourage you, whenever you get a chance to go do something unique with your significant other, go make some fresh memories maybe get out of your comfort zone a little bit and go do some things you've never done before to kind of keep it fresh. I encourage you to do that. It's very, very important to make new memories and not just get caught up in the habit of, you know, just raising kids and paying bills. So get out and go do something fun as a couple. Remember, she's still your girlfriend. Remember that. I guess it's one of the reasons I've been married as long as I have, even though I haven't always been uh, an expert when it comes to that sort of thing. But the reality of it is, you're never done dating her, guys. You're You're never done dating her. That is if you want to keep her. You got to keep dating her. As a matter of fact, it was so funny. I'm sitting out here getting ready to record the show, and uh, I walk outside to go get some things out of my car, and I realize there's an Amazon box, and I'm like, and it was in some weird box, like Chevy electrifying something, and we have Ford vehicles. And I was like, what what is this? And so I open it up, and it's some uh, healthy snacks that I had ordered for her before I left Starkville. I just made it. You know, just little, little things like that. You know, Again, I, I may not be the expert on this, But uh, I know this. I know that uh, little stuff like that matters. Little thoughtful stuff matters. So I encourage you again, no matter which side of the spectrum you're on, take care of the people you love. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. They always take care of the people they love, and they love all of you. A great atmosphere for dining, whether it be a night out with friends or a night out with family, you can get exactly what you're looking for at Bulldog Burger Company. That great restaurant-quality hamburger. And usually the opener for me is the spring rolls. I get that as the appetizer. Some friends of mine, Brandon off from MSU Media Relations, and Mike Nemeth both generally get the spring rolls as their entree. You can do that too. Whatever makes you feel good about life. You can do it there at Bulldog Burger Company. You can have an adult beverage. You get that chocolate shake to go. I'm a big fan of that Shipley donut bread pudding too, and I'm a bit of a bread pudding connoisseur. When I go somewhere and I ask them what's on the dessert menu, and they mention bread pudding, I almost always get it just because I'm always in search for the best bread pudding. Love it. I do. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Star Vegas with that fabulous new patio area. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And, of course, the newest one, Lake Harper Drive in the Ridge area. Go by, have a great restaurant quality burger. If you're unfamiliar with Bulldog Burger Company, you just want to kind of stick your toe in the water, get the Bulldog. That's a good straight ahead rock and roll American hamburger. If you want to get a little more adventurous, get the Pimentology Add Bacon. That is the Boneyard Burger of choice. Get the Smokehouse, the Lauren, the Bryant. There's so many good ones there. I've had them all. I like them all. I like some more than others, but I like them all. I've never had a bad experience at Bulldog Burger Company, and neither will you. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, our top story. Big, big news. Man, it's almost like picking up a pair of four stars. Big news is today, Buki Watson, the SEC leader in tackles for 2022, announces that he will return to Mississippi State for the 2023 season. Shortly after that announcement was made, Jaden Crumity announced he would return for 2023. Now, you guys both know, or you all know, that both of those guys are significant players at Mississippi State. So all of a sudden, you get almost giddy thinking about next year. It's like, oh, you know, all summer long, we were told Jaden Cromedy was going pro after the season. He gets injured, only plays in a handful of games, and even when he returned, the chatter was because of the fact that some NFL scouts had a, bigger, a high grade on him that he was going to go pro this year. He is now backed off of that. It's certain he still has a little more to prove, and I think you saw Mississippi State's rush defense got much better when Jaden Cromedy got in the mix, too. Nathan Pickering's already announced he's coming back. That's probably not a huge surprise. But when you think about the potential losses on that defensive front, and all of a sudden you get Pick and Crummety back, now all of a sudden you start thinking, all right, hey, this we're, we're going to be all right there at the point of attack. Nathan, Nathaniel Watson, I, I, I hearken back to the days, his first days at camp. A lot of you don't remember this, but Buki Watson wanted to play wide receiver on the college level. And even though he was committed to Mississippi State, there were still some schools out there courting him, and he was kind of hoping to get a chance to play wide receiver. You know, State basically took him as an athlete with the designs on him being a linebacker. And I remember after he got here, those first few practices, really unsure of himself. You could see the athleticism there, but he just wasn't very tenacious at that point. He just wasn't playing with confidence. And then all of a sudden, in 2020, you throw him out there, and he's learned to play all three linebacker spots, He's a guy that gets out there and makes things happen for you. He's played all three spots. He's an invaluable member of this defense. And, of course, again, he leads the SEC in tackles. And there will be a lot of people in the media that will have him on their first team all-SEC ballot. Let's take a quick look back at kind of the season it was for these two guys that we're getting back. And, of course, uh, Bookie Watson, a redshirt senior from Maplesville, Alabama, one of the lower classifications excuse me, uh, in Alabama football but very active throughout the year. And you go back and you look here, like the games that he didn't have big games were games that we rested him a little bit, right? So he has four tackles against Memphis, four against Arizona, and then 11 against LSU. And then 10 against Bowling Green, six against Texas A&M, six more against Arkansas, 17 against Kentucky. Yeah, you'd expect that with that run first offense, 17. 10 against Alabama, 10 against Auburn, 16 against Georgia, again a run-first offense. Just four against et ETSU, we rested him, and then 10 tackles against Ole Miss. And so against your bigger name opponents, Buki Watson has shown up, and that's what you want, you know, if you're if you're an NFL prospect, is you want to show that you can do it against the highest level of competition. And Buki has done that, but has elected to come back. You know, he just decided to run it back. It is a huge, huge development for mississippi state you look at Jaden cromedy again just played in four games this year you know he had that wrist injury and that's the thing too in the beginning i think they were a little more hopeful that he would be able to return much earlier and then there were some complications related to the remedy of that injury and so it kept him out for a while then it was talking back for alabama and then you know again it ends up being just a four-game season for him and i'm sure that factored into the decision but he returns against auburn and has three tackles the very first play of the game He goes out there and tracks Tank Bigsby down and makes a big tackle. Four against Georgia, just one against ETSU, and then three against Ole Miss. So again, not the year he expected to have, but was productive when he was in the game. So huge, huge, huge to get those guys back. Jaden Cromedy is a guy that could potentially play his way into a first or second round pick with a big year next year. That's a big part of all of this, is when you begin to think about the potential now, one of the things that's interesting, too, we start running through the numbers. Bookie Watson, of course, led the SEC in tackles. He's back. Number two for Mississippi State, Jed Johnson was third in the SEC in tackles. He is coming back. Cam Richardson, not draft eligible this year, or maybe he is, but he's just not going. He is your third leading tackler. How often do you have a corner is your third leading tackler? Certainly wasn't Deion Sanders. But uh the number four tackler is Colin Duncan, a safety with 55 tackles, and it appears that he is coming back. So stay in a position now to get four of their top four tacklers back. Then there's Tyrus Weed, Jalen Green. We're not exactly sure what Jackie Matthews' uh, intentions are. Emmanuel Forbes, and him having, uh, you know, 40, what, 40, 39 tackles this year. Uh, he was absolutely snubbed by the Jim Thorpe Award people, uh, there's no defending it. This is a guy that leads the the NCAA in just about every statistical category. His pro, pro football focus grade is off the charts. I've had some NFL scouts tell me they have a second-round grade on him, but they think that there's a possibility he may go late first round based on the season that he's had. Now, I've been told that he has not really talked about opting out of the ball games that he wants to play in the bowl game. Of course, that still remains to be seen. He'll have people in his ears, and there will be some people that say, you know what, if he's facing first-round money, it's probably smart to skip the bowl game. Knowing the, Forbes, the competitor that Forbes is, I won't be the least bit surprised if he plays. I won't be. Uh, but the reality of it is is that State has the makings of a good defense, not just in the bowl game, but going forward. You know, we thought about the losses we'd have. Of course, you can't replace Cameron Young. You can't really replace Tyrus Wheat. You know, some guys are going to have to step up. They are. We played a lot of guys this year. Probably didn't rotate quite as much. But I think when you begin to think about getting Pickering and Cromedy back in the middle together, because I think Pick will take that spot that Cam Young had this year. Pick was basically second teamer. Will now be a first team guy. And that's two four-star guys right there in the center from the state of Mississippi, uh, right there in the middle for you. And so you feel good about that. You know, it's just kind of – the guys around them got to get better. But when you think about Jett Johnson and Buki Watson bringing back 100, with 211 combined tackles, will anybody in the SEC bring that back, that number back? No, they won't. Not between two players. They absolutely will not. So you begin to think about how productive this defense can be. And of course, the fact if you hang on to Zach Arnett and it gives these guys another year, four years in the same scheme. You know, understand the nuances. You understand how offenses plan to attack you. It just means Mississippi State has a chance to be even better next year. And that was really the concern looking at 2023, is when you were faced with all these losses on defense, would the defense be able to kind of maintain where they have been or even improve? Because the defensive numbers at times have been really good this year, and other times they've been pretty pedestrian. But when you begin to think about how this team performed when everybody was healthy down the stretch – it's pretty remarkable uh, to look at. So let's take some time and kind of look at that right now. You know, with of course with uh, you know Big Baby Jaden Crumity coming back for uh, Auburn. You know, that's one of those things you begin to think, okay, where did things kind of get better? So against Auburn, they ran for 256 yards. A lot of that late, right? And then Georgia runs for 179 yards. ETSU just 111. And then Ole Miss 78. So you start looking at that, and you begin, you begin to realize, hey, Crummity makes a difference. And, of course, Auburn trying to salt away the game late. And, of course, they're run-first offense. But I think you feel pretty good about the fact that you've got some guys in the middle that can really clog up the interior run game, force people outside. And if, you, if, if I had told you guys – the week before the Egg Bowl that we were going to hold them under 80 yards rushing, you just said I was crazy. He said, well, man, that brainstorm must have been tremendous. Well, it was in the second half, but Mississippi State simply took the fight to Ole Miss. And that's the thing I love about Zach Arnett, is it doesn't matter who you are or where you are, we're not going to sit back and let you dictate terms. And I thought that uh, you know both Jackson Dart and Lane Kiffin both credited Mississippi State's defensive approach, had a great game plan, went out there and completely shut them down absolutely shut them down and we got beat some of man-to-man coverage but you know what they want to run the football they're somewhat limited when it comes to the forward pass and we took full advantage of it and then their wide receivers proved to be pretty soft and so they couldn't impact the game they had an opportunity to go out there and play the game they didn't but I think when you look at the fact that Jaden Crumity, DKM Richardson, Buki Watson, Jai Johnson the core of this defense will be back yes there is no replacing a guy like Forbes who should have been a Jim Thorpe finalist and I wasn't surprised to see him lose to Connerly. I really thought Judkins would win um, just because, number one, it's an old Miss-centric state in which we live. But there is no denying the fact that guy didn't have a great year. Yes, Emmanuel Forbes did too, but I think Judkins got a lot of the headlines early on because it was some, much of a surprise, right? I mean, it's like he wasn't a highly heralded recruit, and he comes in and kind of plays above his recruiting profile, so we turned a lot of heads. People expected Emmanuel Forbes to be good in this state. The SEC media may not have been respectful to him in the preseason, but the people within the state state and Ole Miss alike knew what to expect from him. Did he, uh, achieve expectations? He absolutely did. I think he even exceeded them. But when you think about the fact not much was expected from Ken John Judkins this year, and you look at the record breaking year he had, I'm okay with him winning. I, I am. I- I'm not going to sit here and say he's undeserving. He absolutely is. He's a very talented back. And, um, probably a good thing for old Miss Elaine Lane Kiffin to stay, or he'd be at Auburn. I understand that he grew up an Auburn fan and wasn't given the opportunity to play there. And you never know. With Hugh Freeze now at Auburn, you never know. You just never know. Judkins may be a guy that says, hey, maybe I can go somewhere else. I mean, I don't know why that he would want to. He's a featured back now and had a huge year there. But there's always that possibility. And we talk about the portal. Uh, to date, Mississippi State has not had anybody hit the portal. We will have some people hit the portal. We will. There is no question about it. Uh, your coaches can go on the road this Friday to begin their in-person visits, and so your exit interviews with players will end up this will end up this week. And so there'll be some guys that'll say, you know what? I think I need to push on. Don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. It's important to understand that there's no need to take that personally. You only get a short time in life to play sports. You get a chance to go somewhere else, some more playing time. You're gonna take it, and you can't begrudge a young man that. And there's some people out there trying to cash in on the portal, and I'm critical of that. You know, but, it, hey, it's a will to power, right? The whole world is a will to power. But the reality of it is, is most of these guys that enter the portal are looking for another opportunity. And you'll have some walk-ons that will go in the portal, and some of these clickbait journalist types, these clickbait bandits will make some big deal. Mississippi State quarterback goes in the portal, and They'll probably even use a picture of Will Rogers or a picture of Mike Leach to get you to click on it. And it'll be some kid that walked on two years ago that's trying to go in the portal and find a scholarship opportunity somewhere, right? And so just be mindful of that. Don't lose your mind over that. We are going to have some guys go in the portal. Some of that is because our coaches have been honest with them and said, hey, listen, I I just don't envision you ever challenging for the two deep here. You're welcome to stay. However, we would help you explore a transfer opportunity if you chose to pursue one. And that happens. And people say, well, these guys get processed out. You know, part of that... That's just part of big-time football. You have to be always adding to the top. You can't let guys stay at the bottom. If they're never going to contribute, you've got to find a way, you know, to maybe encourage them to pursue something else. You don't just cut them. You can't cut anybody just based on athletic performance. But, you know, like some of the guys that transferred to Southern Miss, it's because your coaches were honest with them. And said, hey, guys, listen, here's the deal. Like, Janari Dean's a great example. Janari Dean wanted to play running back. He wasn't going to play running back here. He could play it at Southern Miss. You know, Calvin McMilligan, an amazing young man, an absolutely amazing young man. But he was going to struggle to play in the Southeastern Conference. He just didn't have the footwork. His feet just weren't good enough. You And I don't know that his work ethic was quite where it was, but he's a fabulous young man, and he's probably a G5 talent. So rather than let him languish on our roster for five years and never play and have a fulfilling experience, it's good to say, you know, listen, hey, so the Miss may have a spot for you. And then he goes. And now he has a chance to kind of reset and play at a level that he is. And so, again, it's not a personal thing. Everybody's got to look out for themselves. And so I, I commend coaches that are honest with players at Mississippi State and elsewhere to say, hey, here is your future here. And if you're okay with that, okay. But if you want more, you're probably better off looking for it somewhere else. And guys aren't stupid. They go to practice every day. I mean, how many of you played high school athletics? It's, you know, it's one thing to play peewees and pony league and things like that. But when you play, at least on a high school level, there's no doubt who the better players are. There's not. Now, your mom may say something different. Your dad may say something different. Your uncle, whoever. But you're in practice every day. You know who the better players are. You've you, you got to be honest with yourself. And so that's what happens when you get on a college level. Guys begin to think. Okay, listen, I've got, you know, Woody Marks and Dylan Johnson and now Price ahead of me. Now I'm a running back. And then all of a sudden they're bringing in a junior college back and Seth Davis. Well, I mean, the writing's on the wall, right? I'm not going to play here. I'm not going to play here. Of course, Hargrove has already attempted to go in the portal one time. I think it's a safe bet that he's going to go this time. And he hadn't played. I mean, so he's played some special teams, but he has not had any significant snaps at Mississippi State. And, again, I go back to the fact there was a reason he was available as a four-star that late. He just never was able to absorb the offense. And he had some really rough days in practice, and I felt really bad for him. He is a great young man. It just didn't work out here. It's not our fault. It's not his fault. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes guys just need a fresh start, and we wish him the absolute best. He hadn't gone in the portal yet. It may may, may surprise me, but I I don't think that's the case. But you're going to have some guys go in, so be prepared for that. Speak. All right, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tacovus want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Takovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Takovas has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop in new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com. Tecovas, they offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video of smart lock they have.
0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Speaking of the portal, uh, MJ Daniels, former Mississippi State commitment who flipped to Ole Miss on signing day and was the subject of that stupid sweatshirt that said Mary Flipmas, uh, went into the portal last year as I projected. And then, of course, took his name out of the portal. And then all the old Miss media had such a good time with that. Well, he's back in the portal now. And I venture to say it's because he never wanted to be there in the first place. Guys, he did not have Ole Miss in his heart, despite what they projected. He's back in the portal again. And it wasn't just earlier this year, you know, uh, some of their old Miss media people are like, oh, bad day for sources. So now it's my turn. It's bad day for sources, guys. He never wanted to be there at any point he never wanted to be there and he's tried to leave twice now every year he's had the opportunity to leave he's tried to leave and he got talked out of it last year then he barely plays this year and here's the thing too mississippi state is in the market for a portal safety does mj daniels fit that i don't know you might want somebody with more college level protection production and, and to be honest with you that's what i would want mj daniels is a heck of an athlete he just hadn't developed at Ole Miss. And to be fair, they've had some more daddies out there at safety. And Ole Miss depth is pretty, pretty legit at safety this year. But MJ Daniels looking for a fresh start. And so, yeah, Mississippi State is in contact with him. Will Mississippi State take him? I don't know. I don't know. I would take him for a couple reasons. Number one, you need a safety, and I think his best football is ahead of him. But every time that I had an official visit weekend and I was hosting an in-state prospect, I'd have MJ Daniels talk to them. If they were choosing between state and Ole Miss, I'd have him as my ace in the hole when it came to recruiting an in-state prospect that was trying to decide between state and Ole Miss. Makes perfect sense to me, right? Not only does he help you on the field, he helps you on the recruiting trail. It's a big, big part of things, huge part of things. I think it's important to understand that there, there is a method to all this madness. It's not just, hey, let's go take a player to take a player. But sometimes you take one that helps you in other ways than just on the field. And I think that's what MJ Daniels could do for you. I think, number one, yes, he would challenge for a spot on the two deep next year. Yes, I think he could be a potential starter at Mississippi State. But also, too, he can say, you know what, I wanted to go to Mississippi State. I had some people in my ear that kind of uh, encouraged me to go to Ole Miss, to kind of put it politically correct. I went up there. I didn't like it. I tried to leave. And then all of a sudden I couldn't leave. I had other people again in my ear about this. And so it it took me two years And I finally left and ended up where I wanted to be all along is Mississippi State. It's important to understand that. That's an important story and an important story that recruits need to hear. So we'll see what happens. I don't know if state goes all in trying to get him. I would absolutely take him. I know I've read some stuff on social media, people are like, oh no, no, no. Listen, we can't let our pride get in the way of that. We really can't. We really can't, especially if you if you if you knew the parameters and kind of the details behind the situation, you wouldn't feel that way. Simple as that. You wouldn't feel that way. The guy was under a tremendous amount of pressure uh, to go to Ole Miss. He succumbed to that pressure and has basically wasted uh, two years of his career at a place that he never really wanted to be. And so here, here we are. And so that goes back to to this whole thing about these mentors and people like that, that, you know, that they're basically looking at these situations as a chance to basically exploit a student athlete for their own gain. That happens all the time. I'm not sure of all the parameters around this one, but I, I tell you this. There's all these mentors out there. They don't care about these kids. They don't. I don't care what they tell you. I don't care how many tweets they send out or how many huddle videos they send and try to get these kids some exposure. It's all very self-serving. It is. And usually, and there's a few guys in this state in particular you could mention, there's a few guys in here, like as soon as those guys are gone, they move on from them. They do. It's about them. And And then they ultimately ruin their college careers and then they don't have to live with the fallout. So I will share this with you again because I know that at times there are some recruits and parents of recruits that listen to this show. Stick with the people that have been with you since day one. Your high school coach, your local supporters, people that have been in your, fan, in your fan ho- fandom your entire life. It's all these newcomers that jump in and say, hey, I know how recruiting works. Anytime somebody contacts you or your family and says, I know how recruiting works and I can help you, just hang up the phone. Don't respond to that text. That person's got an ulterior motive. Your high school coach and your high school coaches, your position coach, many of those guys who played beyond the high school level, they know how recruiting works. Many of them deal with this every single year. You know, Coaches come in, they, re, they analyze players, they offer them. They're familiar with the process. You know, Not your long-lost cousin on your mama's side twice removed. You know, they, all of a sudden they just show up, hey, I know how recruiting works. Yeah, they know how recruiting works. They think somebody's going to give them something. Right, and there are a lot of people that want to take all these trips with you because they know when they go it's going to be a big party and you're going to eat for free and party for free and everything else that goes along with all that. Stick with the people that are stuck with you. It's as simple as that. Stick with those people. Those people will always have your best interest in heart, with rare exception. You know, everybody's always got that uncle. You know, that's thinking he can help you. But the reality of it is, is, as a former high school baseball coach myself, that has gone through the recruiting process as a coach. And seeing both angles of this, I can tell you, even at that level, there's a lot of people out there trading in kids. There's a lot of people out there trying to attach themselves to a student athlete to get what they can get for themselves. Simple as that. I know, listen, in Baton Rouge, listen, I coached uh, coached basketball at Hosanna Christian Academy uh, for three seasons. Then I coached baseball at Broadmoor High School for four seasons. And I can tell you, we had to deal with the recruitment of student athletes from the private schools. In Baton Rouge. Even then, and then of course, when I get on the high school level, you know, we're dealing with you know D1 coaches and sometimes junior college coaches and uh, NAI coaches. You know, we're, we're dealing with all of that. And I can tell you the best resource for a recruiter is not your new cousin, it's your coach. Your coach has been there to see you develop and mature as a player. They can say, hey, hey coach, when we first started playing this kid, here's where he was, here's what he did. He worked hard, he got better at this. Uh, your cousin can't tell that story and recruiting's about relationships and that's yours, mine and everybody else's, you know, as your coach, you know, I, I know your family. I know culturally what's a good fit for you. I'm never going to tell you where to go, but I can kind of plead your case to another coach and say, Hey, listen, he comes from a great family and here they value education There's this there's that, you know, your mentor doesn't know those things. All your mentor is going to do is go out there and spit out a bunch of made-up stats and, hey, I can get him to come up there. I can get him to come up there. And again, that's not for you. That's for them. That's for them and the ego of their donorship. So you got to make a business decision, and that that doesn't mean monetarily. you got to think about the long play. What is best for my long-term future? Okay, yeah, I might go on a visit. I might dance with a pretty girl and get a steak dinner and get a little money in my pocket. And maybe it's like that every weekend up there. And, it, and that'll make you soft. I'll be quite honest with you. It'll make you soft. It will. You got to work for that stuff. If they give it to you, you're not going to work. I don't care who you are, or where you're from. You're not going to work if they give it to you. Nothing in this life worth having is free. Nothing. And that includes official visit weekends. That includes uh, a few extra dollars in your pocket as you get ready to go back home. You know, it's one of those things, too. I, I know a lot of kids have never had much. And there are people out there that exploit that and they do what they can and with all they can to try to help their school. I I get it. I understand it. And it's difficult to tell a kid that's never had anything that you shouldn't take this because that's what they always say. You should do this for your mama. Do it for your mama. I've heard the story a million times, but I'll tell you in the end, most of those stories don't have a happy ending. It may be good for the moment, but it doesn't have a happy ending. If you sell out your talent and you sell your soul for the quick reward, life and karma has a way of getting back with you. If you cut the corner, at some point it comes back to bite you. That's just that's his that's his right as rain. You're gonna find that all throughout, you know, the stories of life. I don't just mean you know, uh, the Bible, but you, you go back and look in our greatest true stories and things in literature. It's the people that cut corners that rarely prosper in the end. I just, I'm just, i a firm believer in that. I don't think I'm smart enough to get away with it. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think you are either. So do things the right way, and you'll be amazed at how many good things come to you in the end. All right, time for today's top 10 list, brought to you as always by ClothesWithBlair.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. And I told you guys before, if you're looking to get into a home, Blair Chandler can make that happen for you. If you're a non-conforming borrower, perhaps you've got an atypical property, Blair has seen it all and done it all. We're going to be pushing first mortgages right now. Many of you have thought, you know what, the, the the dream of home ownership has escaped me. And so I'm at my wits end, Steve. I'm just going to have to rent and maybe hopefully inherit something someday. You don't have to live that way. Blair Chandler can make that dream come true for you. Give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, at 601-500-2344. Visit him on his website, with Blair, close with Blair, C L O S E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. com. Mentioned to Blair, you heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. That's a great value. It's about a five hundred dollar value. Be sure and check out that today. All right, top ten list in honor of all these guys coming back. I wanted to uh, let's do a special top ten list in honor of these guys coming back. So this is going to be a very diverse list. We got some rock. We got some classic rock. We got some rap. We got some country. Got a little bit of everything. Because I'm so happy we got our dudes back, right? All right, number 10. You go back to that Rat EP, and then, of course, they carried this one song over on the Out of the Cellar, which was the first full-length LP for Rat. It is the classic track, Back for More. Because Jaden Cromedy, Bookie Watson, Back for More. Number nine, this probably uh, probably excites Mississippi State fans, and this song was a great electronic song, and many of you probably saw it on um, Vegas vacation for the first time when uh, Audrey and then went out to the field party or whatever. It's Ready to Go from Republica, which I think is the first time we featured that song on our top ten list. Ready to go from Republica. Number eight, A band that we've had on this show before, a band that's very special to me. My mother-in-law loved them with all she had. They were without a doubt her favorite band. And uh, at her funeral, we played Collective Soul rather than Gospel Hymns. It just wasn't who she was. But number eight, It's Better Now from Collective Soul. I love that track. It's a great driving track. And again, I think right now, everybody in the Bulldog fan base, after tonight's news, feeling a lot better now. Number seven, We dip our toe into the country music waters here. And this guy, even though he's a country guy, got a little rock element to him. It's Jason Aldean's We Back. You thought we were gone, but you're wrong. We back. Number six, our first rap song of the day. And hopefully Roy can find this on Spotify. He was having some trouble earlier. But uh, you guys, everybody that's attended a game at Davis Wade Stadium and probably Humphrey Coliseum has heard this song, or they've heard this artist. It's T.I., who I love. I think T.I. is amazing. You've heard Bring Them Out, Bring Them Out. We're going with I'm Back from T.I. on our list tonight. Number five, one of my favorite bands. If, if you were a fan of this show, you know that I'm a huge Alter Bridge fan. My favorite Alter Bridge album is Blackbird from start to finish. It is an album that I discovered at a very, very dark part of my life. And uh, shortly after my dad had died, it was one of those things that every song just seemed to be a hymn about life. And um, there is a track on there that maybe is not on my Alta Bridge favorites, but we're going with uh, Coming Home from Alta Bridge. And if you're unfamiliar with Alta Bridge, I would tell you the first album one day remains amazing. But Miles Kennedy helped write Blackbird and is and responsible for a lot of the guitar playing, and the rhythm stuff. And they brought some of his own material with it. It is an absolute masterpiece. And Coming Home is a, is a highlight on that album. Number four... This is a song, too, from the R&B ranks. It's the entrance music for one Danny P. Smith of the Starfleet Daily News. It seemed like every time Danny showed up at Dirty Noble Field, this song was playing. I don't know why, but it was just an uncanny thing. Like, we'd hear it. We'd say, hey, where's Danny? And lo and behold, we'd see him walking down the concourse. It was also played sometimes as Elijah McNamee's walkout song. It's Return of the Mac. Return of the Mac. You know it's real. All right, number three, got to work in some Ozzy Osbourne whenever we can. The Prince of Darkness is always present. Number three is Mama, I'm Coming Home. It's about a relationship, but still, it's, an, it's a beautiful song that Ozzy wrote about Sharon Osbourne and uh, really got honest. He wrote this shortly after he got out of Betty Ford Clinic um, about some of the problems he had in his relationship. All right, number two, Anytime We Can Work Ace Frehley into our top 10 list. It's a great thing. Now, I saw Ace Freely open for Alice Cooper at the Bancorp South Center in Tupelo, and they do such a great job there at the Bancour South Studio of Tupelo. They do. It's amazing. Every time I go over there, they treat me like a much bigger deal than I am. I'm just there to see a show, and they roll out the red carpet every time I go over there. I don't even tell them that I'm coming, but somebody will recognize me, and I always end up, you know, meeting and says, hey, Steve, anything while you're here, please let us know. It's an extremely well-run facility. I've seen some amazing shows there. Seeing Ace Frehley in person, up close and personal, on the big stage was important to me. I saw him at uh, Rock, Oklahoma on a side stage. It wasn't as good. This time I'm sitting down front, got my Ace Frehley shirt on, and as soon as he played the Shock Me solo, he handed me an Ace Frehley pick. And uh, Ace Frehley is a guy that really got it all started for me with Kiss back in the 70s. I am from the 1900s. I'm not too proud to say that. But when Ace came back, he came back with Freely's Comet. He got clean, sober, and the title song. I guess it wasn't the title song, maybe it was, but the first single off of Freely's Comet was "Rock Soldiers," an amazing song. I love that song. Love, and he always talks about uh, Ace is back. It's great. Ace is back. He told you so. And I love that part at the end where he talks about the devil. You know, he said, and, and if the devil wants to play his card game now, he's going to play about an ace in his deck amazing. Amazing. But number one, again, one of my favorite bands who I think is the greatest American rock and roll band of all time. It's Aerosmith's Back in the Saddle, and it's when uh, Steven Tyler really found his voice and the confidence to really go with it. You listen to those earlier albums, especially the first one, the self-titled album. He was holding back a little bit. Some great, great songs, but he was holding back a little bit, and Steven Tyler kind of became himself, and Back in the Saddle was probably the song that you look back and say, you know what, that's when things really changed for Aerosmith. It really did. So back in the saddle. And uh, we hope that you folks will jump back in the saddle with us next year as we get ready for an eight-home game schedule. An eight-home game schedule. And then our four road games, all four of them are toss-ups. Yeah, think about that. It could be a special season. And now all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, we've got a little juice right now, right? We've got a little juice. We've won two in a row. We've got the egg back. We finished eight and four, which is what everybody hoped we would be. You know, some people say, well, maybe we can get to nine and three. We didn't. But I think everybody said, hey, if we get eight and four and get the egg back, it's been a good year for us. It's a step forward. Not a great year, but it's been a good year for us. We did take a step forward. Offensively, all of our numbers are up across the board scoring wise. Uh, Will Rogers' passing yards were down a little bit. but well, Number one, we ran it a little bit more, but also, two, some people were intent on not letting him pick them apart. But you begin to think about now you've got some pieces come back on defense. We've got some juice. And maybe it's taken us three years to get some juice, maybe even four. I I go back probably the last time we had this kind of juice was 18. And even though that was a disappointing season because we we just didn't have enough offense. But we went out there and we win the Egg Bowl and they plant the flag on the field and Matt Luke and Ross Bjork and everybody's out there. And there's Joe Moorhead out there just capping everybody left and right you know, stop popping off at me, you know, I mean, Joe became our coach that night, and all of a sudden we had a little juice, and we went, we went, and lost the ball game, and we, we lost it, I don't know that we've had real juice since then, because, you know, we struggled through 2019, had to beat Ole Miss, you know, in the Golden Miss piss game, and and, um, and then we went out and laid an egg in a Music City Bowl, and we had the Tommy Stevens stuff, we just didn't have any juice, we just didn't, and then Mike gets here, and we beat LSU, we've got some juice, and then we lose to Arkansas, so, Again, a chance for us to kind of recapture some juice and have some momentum. And that's why it's so important for us to go out and win this bowl game. I think we feel good about where we are. You go get a big bowl win, no matter who it's against, you end the year on a three-game winning streak and you've got the majority of your roster returning for next year. And you got a chance to finish in the top 25 this year and then be preseason top 25 next year. That's where we want to be. So you feel good about the direction of things right now. Again, we have some juice Let's capitalize on it, though. We can't just sit back and say, all right, well, we've got the egg. Let's just be content with this. There are still some things left to prove. And, of course, if these guys are coming back, like Jaden Cromedy and Bookie Watson, you're certainly expecting to play in the bowl game, right? That's big for us. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, your friends in Starkville. A great place to do business, man. A great company doing a great job for a great fan base. The Bully Shop, completely renovated. Now all upstairs, which has enabled them to expand their selection of Mississippi State merchandise. The most extensive selection of Mississippi State merchandise is at Campus Bookmart. Next time you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces. If you can't make it to town before Christmas, and chances are you probably won't, visit them on the World Wide Web at CampusBookMart.net. And you can order and have Mississippi State merchandise delivered anywhere in the continental U.S. You'd be glad you did. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Be sure and check it out today, campusbookmart.net. All right, let's take a look at the FBS playoff rankings. A lot different. A lot different than people projected it to be. A lot different than people maybe thought he would be a month ago. All right, number 25 is an 8-4 team, previously unranked NC State. Good get for them, just right there behind Mississippi State, who's back in the rankings again at 24. The only Mississippi team ranked in the FBS playoff top 25. Mississippi State, 24. North Carolina comes in at 23, UCF at 22. They got a big game coming up with Tulane. Notre Dame is in at twenty-one at eight and four. Previously fifteenth, they're down. Texas up from twenty-three to twenty at eight and four. And there's South Carolina eight and four. They come in from being unranked. And with back-to-back top ten wins and a win over Clemson, you would certainly expect that to be the case. And again, they are the more attractive eight and four team in the Southeastern Conference. Tulane, we just mentioned them playing UCF here. They're eighteenth. The winner of that game will we'll be the G5 representative in the New Year Six. I don't know how you call it today, honestly. That's going to be a very interesting game. I, I would probably opt for Central Florida, but a big game winner goes to the Cotton Bowl. Number 17 is UCLA up a spot from last week. Oregon was nine last week, down all the way to 16, behind Oregon State, who jumps from 21 to 15. And then there's LSU. LSU drops from five all the way to 14. An upset loss on the road at College Station has basically removed LSU from the New Year Six projections. They would now need to beat Georgia in order to climb back into the New Year Six, and I just don't think they will. I think Georgia will win that game. I think Georgia's going to playoff regardless of what happens in the SEC title game. But could uh, LSU, still a good season. 9-3, they win the West. Florida State... Mike Norvell entered the year looking to save his job. He did. They beat Florida last week for the first time in, what, four years? They're up from 16 to 13. Washington up one spot from 13 to 12, you know, now 10-2. and two. Utah, a team early on that Florida beat. We thought that perhaps if Florida was ahead of schedule, at least I did. Utah up from 14 to 11 and now in great position to get to the New Year's Six. Just got to keep winning. Kansas State, when we played those guys a couple years ago, Malik Knowles killed us, and the guy is still there. It's like, how, how is he still there? He was there in 19, he's still there? Guy was a stud then, he's a stud now. Kansas State, 10th, and in a great position here to get through the New Year's Six. Again, got to keep winning. Clemson down from 8-9 to nine with the loss to South Carolina. I don't think the drop there was significant enough. Just drop one spot for losing, Personally, uh, I would take maybe Kansas State over Clemson on a neutral field. Penn State is 8. A lot of discussion today that uh, should Ohio State remain at 5, that the Rose Bowl would take Penn State because of Ohio State's recent trips out to Pasadena. That could shake some things up, to say the least. Tennessee at 7, up from 10 to 7. Tennessee, of course, two weeks ago had every opportunity, every opportunity, to secure a spot in the New Year's Six. They get absolutely blasted by South Carolina. But they're still the artists, kind of hanging around there and secured a spot in the New Year's Six. They don't have any more games to play. Just ahead of them is Alabama. A lot of people are upset about this, about how Tennessee should be ranked ahead of Alabama because they have the same record and they beat them head-to-head. I agree with that sentiment. I suspect what you're seeing here from the committee is the loss of Hendon Hooker changes the complexion of that team? Are they worthy of a New Year Six? Well, I think so. And I think in the end, it'll all come out in the wash. But Alabama ahead of them, and either Tennessee or Alabama with a game left to play, so they have secured their spot in a New Year's Six. Ohio State, 11-1 record, drops from 2-5 to five after that loss to Michigan. And we knew that somebody would fall from favor with the playoff committee after that game. Little did we know, Ohio State would get absolutely trounced in that game. Uh, number four, up from six, taking Ohio State's spot in the final four is USC, 11-1. and Did anybody see that happening this year? I mean, honestly, you knew that they would do, be a better team. Did you think they'd be a playoff contender this year? I didn't. I didn't think they would be. But here they are, 11-1. and A lot to think about. TCU undefeated. Needs to win the Big 12 championship game to secure their spot in the playoff. And what can you say about Sonny Dykes? What a great opportunity for him there at TCU. Didn't do so well at California, but he's won everywhere he's been. He was the guy, too, that Scott Strickland always had on his short list. Strickland saw something in him, perhaps other people didn't. And now he's at TCU and basically a week away from securing a playoff spot. Michigan in at two, undefeated, up from three to two after the win over Ohio State and then Georgia, number one. Now, there's some conference championship games this weekend that are very, very important, shall we say. Uh, I think it's important to kind of understand that uh, there is still some ebb and flow to go in these rankings. State has a little bit of upward mobility, but a lot of the teams that are ahead of them playing in these championship games are so far ahead, it's not going to impact where state finishes in the rankings. But uh, a good chance for us to finish in the top 25 when it's all said and done. But you start looking at these SEC teams, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee. Those three are certainly going to be New Year's 6 or better. New Year 6 or in the playoff. And I, I think it would take a lot of chaos in order for Alabama to sneak in up there. But you know there's some people out there kind of forecasting that. Then there's LSU at 14, South Carolina at 19, and then Mississippi State. This is your only SEC teams ranked. We talked about how important it was. Uh, to finish strong. We have finished strong and uh, currently the sixth highest rated team in the Southeastern Conference with the fifth best record. And the fact that South Carolina ahead of us, is ahead of us should come as no surprise. They have absolutely earned that. And uh, really, Beamerball Ball has surprised me. I, I'm, I'm not, not that I didn't expect Shane to do well. I didn't know that he would do this well this quickly. So congratulations to everybody connected with South Carolina football. I know our buddy... Uh, Ben Porton always had a good time up there in Columbia. So looking ahead. So Friday, you've got an interesting, uh, you know, Akron is at Buffalo and that's a game right there that, you know, Jim Moorhead and that group need to win. Uh, I can't remember all the impact from it, but if you beat Buffalo, there's somebody else that kind of goes ahead. North Texas is at UTSA. That's really no consequence. Utah at USC. Now, if Utah can handle USC, that really changes a lot of things. Number one, it secures Utah a spot in the New Year 6. They're right there as it is. But of course, if they lose this game, they fall from the ranks of the New Year 6. I think USC remains it's a New Year 16. But if Utah beats them, it would knock USC out of the playoffs. And then perhaps Ohio State or even Alabama could move forward. Kansas State is at TCU in the Big 12 championship game. That game is at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington. That will be a huge game. That is the morning game on ABC. Excited to see how that thing plays out. And again, Kansas State needs to win to maintain a spot in the New Year Six. Of course, LSU and them are hoping that the team like TCU would hang on here. Again, TCU wins. They're in the playoff. Kansas State wins. They're in the New Year Six, as would TCU be. Uh, so you, they wouldn't allow upward mobility for LSU. However, if TCU beats Kansas State, then perhaps LSU could move ahead. I just don't think that they're going to have the the maybe. I think they're going to have to win the SEC championship game to have any upward mobility. I think I think LSU is a team that is probably not as sexy as some people would like for them to be. Uh, LSU, of course, is that Georgia. That's an afternoon game on Saturday. And then at the same time is the uh, Central Florida and Tulane game. That's going to be in uh, Yulman Stadium there in New Orleans. That's at Tulane. Awfully interesting to see if John Rice, Pumley, and those guys can can get it done. Purdue is against Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. You you like Michigan here. And then Clemson and North Carolina in the ACC game. So, again, some games to watch, some things to really pay attention to that could impact the bowl picture. Now, the latest information that I have about the SEC bowl picture, I share with you on Monday that it appears Mississippi State's three preferences will be the ReliQuest Bowl, the former Outback Bowl in Tampa, the Gator Bowl, and Music City. Now, there is some talk the Vegas Bowl really wants Mississippi State, and I'm told that there is some chatter, but that is an unlikely probability. That could change depending on what happens on Saturday. There is a lot of discussion that Ray Tanner and the folks at South Carolina want to play Notre Dame. They want that helmet sticker opportunity. Now, Brett McMurphy is a guy that I, that I trust. He is a name that has been around forever and a day. He is currently projecting Notre Dame to go to the Outback Bowl. South Carolina, I understand, has some, some Outback Bowl fatigue, but they prefer the matchup rather than the location. They would love to go to the Gator Bowl and play Notre Dame. And so their, their placement is going to happen before ours. So if South Carolina goes to Outback, there's a good chance we go to Gator. If South Carolina goes to Gator, there's a good chance we go to Outback. I was told today, and of course things change every day, there's a better than 50% chance of State going to the Outback Bowl. Not much better, but a better than 50% chance. And then if things get really screwy, we go to Nashville. And of course Vegas wants us, but there's a lot of discussion about Ole Miss heading out to Vegas. And that's fine too. That is absolutely fine. We'll see how things progress. But, uh, again, a lot to be determined. And, of course, everything's got to be settled by this Saturday because they're going to announce on Sunday. So there's a lot of if-then type scenarios out there. If Georgia wins, this is where everybody goes. If LSU wins, this is where everybody goes. So it's important to kind of understand there's still a lot of moving parts to this. It does appear that State is in, in line to go to a Florida bowl game. And if we had told you that at the beginning of the year, you'd have taken it. So even though the Gator ball we've been to Jacksonville three times already, the fact that you have an opportunity to go out there and play would be significant. And there's a lot of discussion about you know, Illinois. Like if we go to Outback, it would be Illinois. Uh, I've talked to some people very close to Mississippi State football, and uh, they love Brett. It would be a great opportunity. We'd see something we don't ordinarily see. And and really happy for Brett, too. Brett, you know, I don't know that Brett got a fair shake at Arkansas. It was kind of a weird dynamic when they were up there, and they go hire Chad Morris, who had a historically bad tenure and fateful. So, again, a lot to think about, a lot to pay attention to this weekend. And, there again, some games outside of our conference that could impact the playoff rankings, which could change some bowl pairings. But, again, when it's all said and done, there are only – five teams ahead of us who will need to be placed before we are and that's georgia alabama tennessee lsu south carolina as it stands today georgia's in the playoff and i suspect even with a loss would stay in the playoff and then there's alabama tennessee um in a new year six and then um there's somebody else too. There's, or, or that's just those three. Yeah. Then there's then there's LSU, and LSU appears to be pretty much locked into the Citrus Barn, something totally uh, out of the realm of uh, expectation. Of course, that includes they had to beat Georgia. I think they had to beat Georgia to to get out of the Citrus. I think the floor for LSU is the Citrus, but with a win and some wins ahead of them, LSU works their way back into a New Year Six, and then that would enable everybody else, including us, to move up a spot. Of course, then if LSU reemerges in the New Year Six, then all of a sudden South Carolina appears to be locked in for the Citrus. And then, of course, the state would be the next team to place. And I think if that happens, then Ole Miss could potentially get a Florida bowl game too. I think as it stands today, Ole Miss is not in a Florida bowl game. I have been told that some of their people really want Vegas. They want that opportunity, despite the fact that you don't get all your full practices But it's just the chance to take those kids out there and take your fans out there for a good experience. And I know some of our fans want that same opportunity. But I've been told that Vegas is not very appealing to Mississippi State. Apparently Mississippi State is appealing to Vegas. uh, But, you know, there has to be a love connection. The way that works, again, is let's say for an example, the Gator Bowl picks South Carolina as their number one team and South Carolina picks the Gator Bowl as their number one. Well, then there's no discussion to be had. You just put them together and you move on with life. There's no deliberations or discussions or debates that need to take place. It's done. It's the same thing. Let's say that ReliQuest has South Carolina number one, Mississippi State number two. Well, if South Carolina uh, doesn't go to Outback Bowl or ReliQuest Bowl, then we would go. And so, again, a lot to sort through. If you look at it just by the numbers and based on merit, states should slot into the Gator Bowl. But I think because of the fact that South Carolina is the more – Uh, I guess maybe the better option is a bowl team right now that they're going to get to pick before we do. Their pick matters more than ours at this point. So once they're placed, then we'll be placed. And so could be going back to Tampa, could be going back to Jacksonville. And, again, a worst-case scenario, I think we end up in Nashville. Not going to totally eliminate the possibility of going out to Vegas, but I can tell you based on the people at Mississippi State I've talked to, that is not what we want to do. I think we worry about selling tickets, especially on such a short time frame. Right before Christmas, people packing up and heading out to Vegas for that ball game. I just don't know that we would draw well out there. It'd be a great experience, obviously, but I think it's important to kind of understand how it all kind of shakes loose, right? There's a lot to this, and we're not in a position right now where we can demand a whole lot. You know, obviously, we're not going to be in the Liberty Bowl or, uh, you know, Texas Bowl or something like that. And I've told again the Texas Bowl has really had no interest in us, they don't think that we'll be around when they get to pick and I'm told that Arkansas and Missouri are two of their three teams I don't know who the third team is potentially it's Ole Miss could be right Uh, and then we'll see how kind of things uh, kind of work out for them down the stretch but uh, again Texas Bowl was one last year we really thought we would end up going to but Mississippi State really wanted Liberty thought we'd have a better chance of selling tickets at the Liberty and then we show up out there and just absolutely laid an egg and of course there were a lot of injuries and some COVID protocols and things like that, and we, we did not play well against a, a Texas Tech team. that really had no reason to play other than pride. So things will be a little bit different this go around, but I'm excited. Uh, the fact that we're we're in the upper echelon of the SEC uh, bowl picks, you know, when you, you begin to think about we're in the top half of that, and when you consider that that a lot of the teams ahead of us will be in the New Year Six, so we'll get a good bowl game, and it should be a good experience for us. But again, it's so important to win that bowl game. We need to get a good draw. I saw some, some matchups today that suggested perhaps that we would play Pitt. And a lot of people say, oh, we don't gain anything from that. Yes, we do. We, we gain a W. You know, we don't need a helmet sticker win. I think you're out there and say, hey, you won nine games in a regular season against one of the more difficult schedules in the country, or nine games in the season, not just the regular season. But you win nine games this year after what you faced, and you begin to think about the fact that you could potentially have, have placed or played three New Year's Six teams – and then you begin to think about next year. You get some juice. You close out signing day with some juice. You begin to start feeling good about life because you have a very advantageous schedule next year. And while this year was a step forward, next year could be a huge step forward. And that should be a special year for Mississippi State. If if there is going to be the big special season during the Mike Leach tenure, I think it comes next year. I, I really do. I, I, if we go 8-4 and four next year with that schedule, I think everybody will be disappointed considering you get eight home games, and then, of course, you get uh, you know, the four road games or, or at least toss-up games. That South Carolina game doesn't look to be nearly as, uh, as even-handed you know, as it did maybe uh, two months ago. Let's take a quick look at the schedule again, too. Uh, I think it's important, because uh, I keep throwing these, you know, these numbers out here, just a real quick overview. And I know we've went over this on a previous show in great detail, but, uh, again, looking at 2023, it's one of these deals you look at and you begin to realize that there is a lot to prove for Mississippi State. You open up with southeastern Louisiana, that should be a win. You open, Then Arkansas, Ar- Arizona comes in, that should be a W. You host LSU here. Not sure what LSU is going to look like. It's a big game. You like the fact that you got it here. First road game is at Columbia, South Carolina. Then you get Alabama coming in here. You would probably pencil in a loss. Then you get Western Michigan. You go to Fayetteville. Could be a completely different looking Arkansas team. I think that they are beginning to to swoon a little bit. Then you go to Auburn. That's you know State has had some success against Auburn the last couple of years. Going to be the Hugh Freeze staff over there. Defense is going to have to play well. But if you remember Hugh Freeze's teams at times were not very good defensively. They will hit the portal hard this year. So we'll see how things progress. Then you get Kentucky here. We have dominated them here. We go to College Station. We've kind of had A&M's number. Southern Miss comes in and then Ole Miss, so back-to-back Mississippi games. So you look at that schedule and you start thinking, hey, we could win 9 or 10 in a regular season. That's an important thing to consider. So Mike Leach has to capture that momentum and capture that opportunity and do a great job kind of pushing this program forward. Because if we're really gonna, if you really want to get fans committed totally, we've got to show that we can be better than a middle-of-the-road bowl team. We've done that historically. And I know we've got a great bowl streak together. And, again, last year we had to sweat it out. We thought we were going to be a team potentially 6-6. Six and six. We ended up beating Auburn and A&M on the road. that propelled us to 7-5. and five. This year we wanted to take a step forward. We did. But I think, again, this is a building block, not a destination. I think it's important to understand that. If we're really serious about contending for championships and being a competitor in the West, we've got to prove that next year. We've got to take advantage of a very, very friendly college football schedule there's no reason that state shouldn't win all four of the non-conference games and you begin to think too hey well there, there's no way we should be worse than 500 so that makes you eight and four again but I think with what you have coming back and the way the schedule lays out for you you've got to have a winning record in the conference next year you absolutely have to you win nine in the regular season you could win 10 in the ball game but I think again if state takes the step forward we need him to take next year it could potentially be a 10 win regular season, then you're talking about a real historic season uh, for Mike Leach and Mississippi State. It's important to understand it's not just about extending the bowl streak. It's about getting into a potential New Year's Six game. If State goes 10-2 and two in a regular season next year, you're, n- you're probably not going to win the West, but you probably finish second in the West, and you probably finish in the top 12 of the FBS playoff rankings. That's important to understand. It's not just about everybody that makes the playoffs. It's navigating our way to a New Year's Six game, which something we haven't done since 2014. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, Portico is where I would move. Absolutely, without a doubt, I would want to be that close to campus, 1.1 miles away from all things maroon. What could be better than that? And you're tucked away there in a little neighborhood Uh, with other bulldog fans phase one completely sold out phase two underdeveloped and now many of those homes also sold there are some other lots available so if you need a custom build they can accommodate you reach out to our friend brooks bryan it's 601-416-8075 again that's 601-416-8075 Told you guys before, easy to get to. Turn off 82 on a 12 like going to campus. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stoppers, Portico on the right. Give yourself a self-guided tour. And if your real estate agent isn't mentioning Portico, maybe it's time you ask why. Get some information for yourself, whether it be your primary residence or perhaps your uh, second home could be a future retirement home. You could work with our friend uh, Blair Chandler, and he can get you taken care of. Right, But give Brooks a call for more information. You'll be glad you did. Make Portico your next move. Let's talk some recruiting here. That's kind of our focus now. As I mentioned earlier in the show, your coaches will be able to get out on the road on Friday. So there will be some in-person visits. Now, there's also going to be some official visitors at Mississippi State this weekend too. We are still finalizing that list. And uh, so make sure you keep up with Paul Jones over jeanspage.com. Paul putting the biscuits out each and every day. Uh, during the weed to kind of let you know what's happening what's going on Uh, but as as things stand now Kobe Keenum Kentucky commitment took an unofficial visit to state a while back expected to be back this weekend Uh, that is something to keep an eye on now Kobe Keenum is a guy too that we're basically down to one high school offensive lineman there's no question about it we're only going to take one more high school offensive lineman could be him could be somebody else and I think it's important to kind of understand that too that you know all of these offers have an expiration date there's never a situation where every player gets to go all the way to signing day as team's needs are met then their previous offer is no longer valid and so Mississippi State again expected to take one more high school offensive lineman you could see a real push late for Amari Smith from Brookhaven, He is a guy that uh, has really blossomed as a senior, 6'7", 295 pounds. He has not set an official visit to Mississippi State yet. The one is in the mix. Now, if Kobe Keenum commits to Mississippi State, then I think that eliminates Amari Smith, unless he's a guy you ultimately take late in February, should you have room available. I think Amari Smith is a guy that's got some dirty about him, too. I think it's just a matter of time before he really becomes and blossoms into a great college player. The thing about Kobe Keenum is he is somewhat limited in his uh, projectability position-wise. Probably a center could be a guard. You know, we've had Cole Smith play some at guard. uh, Not the biggest guard, but plays really big. And I think Cole Smith's been a driving force behind this team this year. But Kobe Keenum and Amari Smith, I think it is an either-or situation between those two. And I think they'll wait and see what Keenum does before they go all in on Amari Smith. But again, that is a situation to really watch in the days ahead. I do think State will make a big push with Amari to kind of get him in the boat sooner rather than later. Now, we've talked recently, uh, Mississippi State picked up the commitment uh, of Jaden Hobson from Tuscaloosa Hillcrest over the weekend This is something that we foresaw happening shortly after he was offered from Mississippi State. He backed out of his verbal commitment to Southern Miss. And this is a guy, too, I don't think that the rankings are accurate when it comes to him. This is a guy that's got double-digit offers. I'll run the offer sheet down for you. Of course, Mississippi State now committed. Southern Miss, former commitment there, Appalachian State, Arkansas State, Liberty, Memphis, Middle Tennessee State, Samford, UT Martin, and then West Virginia. So not a real dicey offer sheet, you know, just the two Power Five offers, but again, some decent G five and a middle of the road uh, college level programs there. But this is a guy too. If you watch his film, and I have the thing that jumps out to me is this kid's got feet like a typewriter, amazing feet. He projects as a guard. That's what he'll play at Mississippi State. He could eventually blossom, potentially into a right tackle. I think when you've got a guy like him that is comfortable playing on the interior, is used to the rigors of interior line play, you continue to develop that skill. There are a lot of guys that like to get outside wide and play in space. I, I don't know that Hobson's one of those guys. I think he's good where he is. He plays right guard there at Hillcrest for a former Starville High School coach, Jamie Mitchell, a great guy. He's done a great job developing players. His offensive line coach, a former player at Mississippi State. So a lot of Bulldogs kind of around him, but I think – Really, where that where it benefits him is that gets him on the Mississippi State radar. I don't think he chose Mississippi State because he had Bulldog coaches, but I think that goes back to the discussion we had in the first segment of the show. When you've got people out there looking out for your benefit, they're working hard to ensure that you get the opportunities that you deserve, your high school coaches are going to do that with greater regularity than some mentor out there. So that's something to watch too. Uh, looking at some other visitors that are expected this weekend – if I can get back to my tab there, I, I got a lot of stuff open. Pretty regularly, you know. we're having these shows. I try to I try to avoid typing uh, when we're talking, but uh, you know, should be a good visit this weekend. Looking at non-committed guys coming in, uh, Isaac Smith will be in this weekend too. Now, Isaac Smith's got to spend a lot of time on the Mississippi State campus. It appears to be down to state and LSU. Old Miss had been a factor early on. For some reason, they never really connected. They didn't recruit him really hard for a while. They kind of spun it a little bit and said that one of their analysts, Kelvin Bolden, had been on him the whole time. It's a different dynamic, right? If it's not one of the coaches, the interpretation is that, hey, these guys don't really want me. And then Ole Miss tried to kind of ramp it up late. Now they're saying they don't have room for him. I, I just don't believe that. I think the fact that Isaac Smith has basically eliminated them from contention because of their lack of recruiting activity. I think they're more keyed on the portal. But this could be a significant weekend. Now, Isaac Smith's already taken some official visits, been to Vanderbilt, been to A&M. Of course, LSU's trying to get him in. But it appears to be a battle between state and LSU. Now, the proximity to home is a factor. And and the fact that he has spent so much time on our campus, and of course, uh, one of his best friends has been offered a preferred walk-on opportunity. I don't suspect that LSU will offer that same opportunity. Isaac Smith has been a priority for Mississippi State throughout this process. Uh, when he camped at Mississippi State, he really showed out in a 7-on-7. And, and uh, your coaches, Darso McBath, Jason Washington, Tony Hughes, all spent a lot of time talking to him. Zach Arnett spent a lot of time talking to him. He understands what a priority he is to Mississippi State. I understand that his dad is completely on board with him being a Bulldog if that's what he chooses to do. But, he, again, he's going to work through this process. A lot of people early on thought that Georgia would going to be the team to beat, but they faded here as of late. And it possibly is because they've recruited over him. I think Isaac Smith is a big-time player, a chance that will play in the National Football League, provided that he stays healthy and works hard. And, again, he'll be in this weekend. Very significant to get him in. Channing Canada is a cornerback out of Trinity Valley Community College in Athens, Texas. This is another guy, too, that's still working through his options, will elect to make a decision uh, later in its process. And then, of course, there's Shamar Carter. Not exactly sure yet if he's coming in this weekend or next weekend. I know Ashton Porter, the four-star defensive lineman, coming in next weekend. That's a big gap. There was some discussion early on. Would he be a part of a visit weekend? Would he elect to take a visit here? Uh, Coach Phelps doing a good job trying to make sure State remains a factor in his recruitment. Getting him on campus is huge. That's a thing that we always learn as people get here, and they're not exactly sure what to expect from Mississippi State. and They end up being very, 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 very excited about what they see here. Now, uh, Marcelius Pulliam out of Sandy Creek, Georgia. He is a big time linebacker prospect. He is expected to visit. We're not exactly sure if it's going to be this weekend. He went to Miami last weekend. Um, but he's got some things coming up. Um, he's, he's been to Mississippi State, been to Louisville, and is supposed to make his decision this Saturday, been to Miami. Uh, Paul seems to think things may be trending our way here. I have not talked to this young man, so I can't intelligently say kind of what he's thinking or what's going to happen with him. But I do think it's important that you get that guy here. Um, Ladarius Webb, Jr. of Jones uh, Community Jones College. Now, it used to be J.C. J.C. I guess it always will be to me. Uh, that's another one there that could be a bulldog before it's all said and done. State's got to get really, really serious, really, really serious about defensive backs here down the stretch. Uh, Looking again, too, we've got a lot of Bulldogs to help with the recruiting effort this weekend. I think it's important, too, to have these in-state guys on campus with Isaac Smith being here. These are some of the same guys, too, that he's going to be playing with in the All-Star game. Uh, Jalen Abram, cornerback from Oak Grove. Kelly Jones, a defensive back prospect from Clarksdale. Uh, Malik Ellis, Alexander, Jaden Hobson, all those guys will be here. Joseph Head, Tobias Hinton, Ty Jones, Zachari Tillman. So you're going to have a lot of guys here helping the Mississippi State recruiting effort. Gabriel Moore is another guy, too, that um, is expected to visit this weekend. Of course, Louisville playing in a state championship game again. Again, I see you Wildcat fans. So it could, it will, could be a very newsworthy weekend. Of course, I'll be making my way back to Starkville on Sunday and hopefully help Paul with some of these stories on Monday. But if there are any commitments, Paul will get those first on Sunday. So be looking for that. I don't know when Isaac Smith will make his decision. There was some discussion multiple times that he was going to make it before the season, pushed it back. There was talk about doing it in November. Well, we're now up on December 1st now, so it hasn't happened yet. But it is coming sooner rather than later. And this is a guy worth waiting for. I'm excited about Isaac Smith. I like the fact that so many of his friends are going to be here on campus He's not going to get that same treatment at LSU. Not going to have a lot of guys that he knows and guys that he's already got relationships with like he's going to have here. He'll know some guys that will go down there, but he's not going to have the guys that he has grown up reading about in the paper, guys that uh, identity doesn't guys like himself. So I think it's significant to get him here, make him feel like he is part of the team. He's already developed a great relationship with many of your current players, and then he'll have his future classmates on campus with him this weekend. I think that is significant. I think that is very, very significant. I don't expect him to commit this weekend. I guess he possibly could, but I'm not expecting it. I mean, it's totally up to him. I do think that he will follow through, take his other visit, and then make a decision. That's important to kind of understand because what happens, we have these big weekends and people think, oh, we're going to get four or five new commitments. Uh, When guys have other visits set, they generally take those visits before they make their decision. And with so much out there now available to these young men as they travel, a chance to get out and go meet coaches and see facilities and have a great weekend, uh, expenses free, uh, they're going to take those trips more times than not. So that's important to understand. So if we don't get a commitment on Sunday, don't panic and don't think, oh, my gosh, what's happening with the staff? There's Some of these guys, too, have basically told Paul Jones and myself, I'm not going to decide until after my visits are over. So that's important to understand as we go into it. If we get a commitment this weekend, I think it's a bit of a surprise. I do, unless maybe Shamar Carter comes on and uh, and he becomes one of those guys. But uh, State can be very, very, very defensive line and defensive back heavy down the stretch. And, again, they're going to work the portal some too. As I mentioned with M.J. Daniels, State is expected to take a safety out of the portal if they can find a good one. Does M.J. Daniels fit that bill? Is he a guy that visits later uh, this month in December? That's certainly a possibility. And it's important to kind of understand – uh, that is something that there is some ebb and flow with. But now that he is officially in the portal, Mississippi State can make uh, direct and official contact with him. And there's a couple other guys from Ole Miss that have hit the portal. You know, Luke Altmyer is a guy that a lot of you guys know and love. Uh, you know, his dad, Chad, obviously very involved in Mississippi State football for a long time is one of our team doctors. Luke elects to go to Ole Miss. They bring in Jackson Dart. to have an open quarterback competition. Ultimately, Jackson Dart wins that competition. Luke did not play enough this year to, uh, to burn his red shirt, so he still has plenty of eligibility left. We wish him the best. I don't think he's an option at Mississippi State. I don't. But no matter where he ends up, I'll be cheering for him. He is a great young man from a great family. And, of course, you know I'm not opposed to bringing in a transfer portal quarterback just to provide some competition at the position. It's the most important position on the field. So if you bring in somebody else and it makes Will Rogers better, then it's worth the scholarship money in my estimation. I expect Will to be better next year anyway, but if you bring in somebody and it makes him work a little bit harder, then the better off I think everybody is. And I don't think there should ever be a sacred cow when it comes to uh, portal work. If you have a chance to add to the top of your talent level, you want to do that. You don't want to burn a scholarship on a guy that's never going to play, you know. And I think too, it's going to be difficult for for us to go out and get a guy, a quarterback, that says, you know what, hey, they got a three year starter coming back, they already knows the nuances of the offense, and Mike Leach knows him well yeah, I'm going to go get all that I can get. You know, I think it's going to be difficult to make that happen. But it's important to understand you can't rule anything out at this point. You absolutely cannot rule anything out. And maybe it's a transfer, it's a walk-on. You know, Maybe there's some people out there that say, hey, you know what? I can afford to do it. I want to go play in the air raid, and I'll compete. And maybe I go into coaching one day. I would love to be able to learn under the tutelage of one Mike Leach. So at this point, there's going to be some new names, probably a junior college or portal defensive lineman could see a junior college or a portal offensive lineman, though I think it's going to be difficult to get those guys because we're going to be expected four returning starters, four returning starters in the offensive line. And you think about Steven Lasoya, and, of course, Ken and Boone's a the guy they're really excited about. You know, uh, you've know, you got some depth there at that center position, so that would probably open up a spot for Quatravius Johnson to go back on the left side. Maybe he's a left tackle. Nick Jones is a left guard. I think Nick has done enough, enough at this point you expect him uh, to be back and so you'll have five guys back that have starting experience and so maybe you just slide LaSoya in the center and then you put Dollar Bill or Nick Jones at left tackle and you feel good about uh, your right side with Cole Smith and Cam Jones and Cam Jones not expected to play in the bowl game got a little bit banged up against Ole Miss and not expected to be back uh, for the for the bowl game and so that'll have some musical chairs in some respects Albert Reese I thought had some good moments against Ole Miss he got beat a couple times too, but once he did, he settled in. I thought he got better as the game went along. And I think, that, again, the future is Albert Reese at right tackle. But when you got a guy like Cam Jones, then you know he's kind of a, a Swiss Army knife type guy that can play up and down the line, just a competitor. And I think when you look at Amari Smith at Brookhaven, he's kind of like Cam Jones in that respect. I think he's a guy that can kind of fit in where you need him to get in, and you kind of work through the process with him. But uh, I like where we sit right now. I don't know if we're on enough star power, though, right? So I don't know how much it's going to impact us in the rankings. Maybe we end up top 30, and I think some of that is an indictment on the talent level in Mississippi this year. You've got some guys that have some ability that are developmental guys that maybe are not headliners that have drawn some high rankings. It doesn't mean they're not going to develop into good players. I mean, People people forget uh, we beat Holmes Community College for Bernardrick McKinney. If I'm not mistaken, we beat Holmes Community College for Jonathan Banks, too. And both of those guys went to the National Football League. And so we're about a developmental program. We're going to develop you and make you better here. Doesn't always mean we're going to get you a big ranking. you know. But again, you get Ashton Porter, some other guys out there, you get Isaac Smith, all of a sudden, maybe you're potentially chasing a top 25 class, which would be tremendous. But uh, basically, State is recruited between 20 and 30 most years. You know, it's pretty rare for us to consistently get back-to-back top 25 classes. That doesn't mean that we don't have appreciable talent. I do think you know, when you're starting to chase the Alabamas and LSU's and Georgia's of the world, you've got to get some big wins on a recruiting trail. And to be honest with you, I think with Hugh Freeze coming into the league, that might be a little more difficult because Freeze is going to recruit Mississippi. Auburn has not done as much. You know, Marcus Woodson a couple of years ago did a great job getting Derek Hall, uh, a couple other guys from Mississippi. And so, you know, uh, Charles Moore was one of those guys, you know, looked good on signing day, didn't really look good after he got there. But uh, the reality of it is, I do think you're going to see a lot more kids in Mississippi get offers from Auburn because of Hugh Freeze having a relationship with so many coaches here in the state of Mississippi. And that may be a good thing or a bad thing, but I think you're going to see State and Ole Miss go head-to-head with Auburn a whole lot more. It's important to kind of understand as we move forward. And a lot of people keep asking me what I think about the hire. The truth of the matter is I don't have a lot of opinions about the hire. It's surprising to me that you know, John Cohen would hire him after all the, you know, all the angst between State and Ole Miss during that period but there's no denying the fact that Hugh Freeze can coach football. I mean, when he took Liberty into Arkansas and beat Arkansas in Fayetteville in a game they absolutely had to have to get ball eligible, that's a significant win. You think Liberty's got more talent than Arkansas? They absolutely don't. And Hugh Freeze has a guy that's done a good job working the portal at Liberty. They have. And Arkansas's got a I mean, Auburn has a war chest of NIL money prepared to go kind of flip that roster. They need some defensive talent. They're going to need to go out there and get some guys that perhaps are ready-made and plug-and-play type players. And listen, Hugh Freeze is a guy that can sell himself. I mean, clearly he can. He, he, he was the guy that was the subject of the biggest scandal in Mississippi sports history and then eventually lands on his feet, makes millions of dollars there at Liberty, and now he's at Auburn. one are the top 10 jobs in America. But it is a very interesting fit. And I think it also shows, too, that John Cohen uh, didn't make the analytical hire. You know what I'm saying? It's like you look back... Andy Cannizzaro, an analytical hire, and basically on a John Cohen hunch. This is a guy that he respected as a recruiter. He respected him as a talent evaluator. He respected him as a guy that would push the guys to get better. Uh, things didn't work out off the field, but you know, Andy was the guy that was moving this program in the right direction. We played in a Super Regional his first year. By the end of the year, I think we only had five pitchers we could regularly count on. And so, again, I will, I will always defend that hire, even though it didn't end the way we hoped, because ultimately – Andy Canizaro brought Tanner Allen to Starville, and Tanner Allen brought us an NFL championship. So in some respects, I'll always owe a debt of gratitude for Andy Canizaro's recruiting prowess. Joe Moore had very much an analytical hire. Very much an analytical hire. It, it, didn't, it didn't work out well for us. And, you know, Joe won a couple of uh, Pac-12 championships at Oregon as an offensive coordinator. You know, he won a Big Ten championship at Penn State. You know, they haven't really put it together in year one at Akron. You know, beginning to kind of show some signs of life there. But, you know, you can't judge them in year one. You know, year one at Mississippi State wasn't a great one either. We had a national championship caliber defense and just could not put any offense together. Simple as that. You almost needed a defensive score. You know, Nikki McCray-Penson, I don't know if I'd call that an analytical hire. I think that was one of those situations where I think we went out there and maybe overthought it a little bit too much. You know, this is a lady that had an incredible pedigree as a player both coll- collegiately and professionally and then she had a nice stretch there at Old Dominion and thought you know what this is a lady on the rise and then, of course Don Staley was somebody that highly endorsed her and we brought her in and she just simply wasn't ready for the job and so you got to wear that Mike Leach not an analytical hire that's a guy that's a proven professional Chris Jan's not an analytical hire I think that's one about finding the right fit you find a guy that you know grew up in a double wide trailer on a dirt road he understands, what it's like to struggle. He understands what a lot of our young people in this state in this region grew up in, the environments they grew up in. Sam Purcell, not an analytical hire, but told by, told by many to be the top women's basketball recruiter in the country while he was at Louisville. And you see what he's doing now, getting top 100 players. That's what Vic Schaefer did. Vic injected enthusiasm into the program, embraced our fan base. You guys loved him back. And then he went out and recruited at such an incredible level, it took Mississippi State women's basketball to a level we'd never seen before. I think Purcell is gonna have us back in the mix competing for Final Fours. I I really do. I believe that. And I think John Cohen learned as he went along, but he did not make the analytical hire here. He absolutely didn't. I think you you I think he went with the best coach available. Now, one of the things that I'll say, every coach has some level of baggage. You gotta find a guy that's got some baggage you can live with. And I think that's where the The difficulty comes in in a situation here. You see all this stuff, it's bubbled back to the surface with Hugh Freeze. Not just the old Miss stuff, but but basically stuff throughout his career. The the talk about the the direct message uh, with the sexual assault victim at Liberty. Yeah, that's not a good look. You absolutely can't be doing that. And so those are the things you look at. Social media has kind of gotten Hugh Freeze in trouble. And there's some discussion about him giving up control of his social media accounts. He comes back later and says that's not true, but there's probably some wisdom in that. He is the guy that searches his name on Twitter and DMs people and tries to defend himself. You know, you might be able to get away with being that thin-skinned at Ole Miss. I don't think you can do it at Auburn. And the thing that I wonder about with this is, you know, it's like all of this Hugh Freeze experience has not always been very positive. And so you've got opposing fans that are going to be critical of your coach, but all of a sudden you go 7-5 and five one year, then it's your fans bringing up those same issues and say, hey, you were the guy that hired this guy despite he had all these issues. And so I don't think there's a lot of grace period there. I think Hugh has got to win. I think he knows he's got to win. Uh, I think it's important you know, for him to get off on the right foot. And they'll be a better team because a guy can coach offensive football. May not be a great team next year you know, because I don't think they have a quarterback. Probably got to go hit the portal hard to get a quarterback. Uh, you know, Robbie Goodson cannot throw the football. They're very limited in what they do. I do think the right decision was made to keep Cadillac Williams and his associate head coach and running backs coach there are a lot of people that wouldn't have agreed to that. I guarantee you that was probably a sticking point for John Cohen. We have to keep Cadillac, and that's absolutely the right decision. But it's going to be awfully interesting to see how this thing unfolds. But uh, listen, I have no ill will in my heart for one Hugh frees. Absolutely do not. have no ill will in my heart doing I I don't think he's a great person. I hope that he has learned from his past mistakes. Uh, his social media behavior would suggest perhaps that he hasn't. Uh, but my hope is that his personal failings are behind him. Uh, again, I, I don't want to see the guy, you know, serve a life sentence for all this stuff. But uh, the reality of it is, is I had all these people reaching out to me for comment, and I told them all, no, I'm, I don't, I don't want to comment on that. I'm going to comment here on the show. Uh, but yeah, I, I want John to be successful at Auburn, but not at our expense. You know, but, you know, I hope they they put together a pretty good program and maybe go eight and four and lose the Iron Bowl and lose the Mississippi State and. You know, maybe go beat Ole Miss for us. You know, hey, you know, all oh, that's a good thing. Anytime it's a good loss on Ole Miss, it's, it's you know, it's interesting. But it is an interesting dynamic to have Hugh Freeze back in the league after it was so many years. People were saying he'd never be allowed back, and now here he is. And I had some people uh, share with me earlier this year. They thought this would be the year he'd get an opportunity in the SEC because they felt like he had served his time, that he had paid the penance uh, penance for for what he'd done. And the reality of it is, he has paid a very steep price. But now here he is. Uh, really, in, in many respects, I guess a story of redemption. Whether you like it or not, he's here. And uh, I do agree the press conference came off a little bit awkward. It did. Um, but, you know, I, again, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, I'm a person, too, that believes in change. I mean, there's so many things that I did when I was a younger person that, if, that I would be embarrassed to tell you about. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a transparent person but there are some things even back then, and even though it's been thirty years, I look back on that and I think, man, how in the world? Why did I do that? You know? And uh, there are some things that I did that, thank goodness the statute of limitations just run out on those things, you know. It's just one of those things that happens in life, you know, when you get you, you run with the wrong crowd, you end up doing the wrong thing. But I'm a story of redemption too. And there are people even to this day that on social media will bring up something that I did when I was nineteen years old. I mean I'm fifty. And you would think, you know, people always talk about, well, you know, you go through the system and you pay your debt to society and, and you can kind of be reintroduced to society and, and lead a productive life. But people never forget. They never forget. And I submit to you the things that I've done pale in comparison to some of the things Hugh Freeze has done. And I'm still paying for that too. I mean, I, I, it rolls off my back, but it's still one of those things that I look at as a person in recovery. I've done a lot of good in my life, but there are some people that always will choose to remind you of the mistakes you made and much of that is stuff that I put out there myself and helps of helping other people. So uh, I would be a tremendous hypocrite if I didn't think that Hugh Freeze is a guy that could, uh, to number one, get forgiveness and then also to change the course of his life. And so my hope is that he does that or that he has done that and uh, is very successful and can kind of become you know, an example of a guy that... Um, you know, they got absolutely humiliated, but also was able to bounce back from it and become a better person. And uh, I'm a big proponent of change. I think any, everybody is capable of change. And I think sometimes we forget that. We think people are locked in. But sometimes there's always something that comes along. There's some traumatic event. You know, it's just like Shannon Hoon wrote in the song, Change. You know, when life is hard, you have to change. You have to. And I, I've lived through that. I mean, I, I am living proof of that. When life is hard, you have to change. And uh, I think one of the things when you look at life, sometimes we get so caught up in our own habits and our own patterns, we begin to think we know what's happening, and what's going on. And we got life figured out. And then out of the blue, you get hit with something and you realize, you know what, I got to do some self-examination here. I got to reevaluate how I'm living life. I got to reevaluate my priorities. And, that, and that's for all of us. That's not just for you know, college football coaches and podcast hosts. That's for all of us. You got to be willing to make a change. Uh, not just because to help you win, but to help those around you win. You've got to be willing to put in the time and effort to do the work to improve, to be a better person. And nobody gets better just by accident. You've got to actually go do the work. I'm a big proponent of the 12 steps. And I think the 12 steps are a great way to live, whether you're suffering from chemical dependency or not, whether you're an addict or not. I think uh, being able to take a personal inventory of your life is something that everybody should do. Whether you're an alcoholic or a drug addict or not, you could, be, you could be a preacher and live the most pious life in the world. But you're going to find some character defects when you do a four-step a that maybe are, are not aware, that you're not aware of. They're not visible to you at this point. But you go through this exercise, the next thing you know, you're like, you know what? This is an issue for me. I've had some things recently I have really prayed about too. And I have talked to some people. I've got a lot of friends in recovery. And I'll say, hey, listen, have you ever seen this behavior in me? Is there anything about me that that you see is a character defect. And it's more important you have that realization yourself. But I firmly believe this. If your friends aren't telling you where you're coming up short, they're not really your friends. If there are people that will excuse your negative behavior, they're really just kind of co-conspirators in your own demise. You know, I'm fortunate to have some friends that will tell me, hey, Steve, you're kind of being a jerk about this, or you're kind of being fake about this, or this may be something you need to look at. And I am open to that. I am open to that level of criticism. I got some people that love me that uh, sometimes say some things that hurt my feelings and make me uncomfortable, but I would rather have that feedback than those people kind of live and walk in silence and just kind of let me walk with that that character defect. So it's important to understand that. So again, kind of summing up here, I hope Hugh Freeze does extremely well, and I hope that he is living a life that is uh, consistent with his professed values. All right, that's it for today. we are back on Friday. I'll probably record Thursday night, so you'll have the show first thing Friday. A little bit later today because the wife and I went and spent the day together and did some super cool stuff. And so I apologize for this show being late, but I'll record probably the same time tomorrow night, so when you wake up Friday, you'll have your show. If you had not done so yet, go to dogpilethebook.com. You get all the sports books there. We've had a big run on Flim Flam here as of late. Thanks, Auburn fans. Uh, but you go to dogpilethebook, you can get Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, and... Dogpile. And if you got friend, Auburn f- fans and your family, maybe you get them a copy of Flim Flam for Christmas. They probably need to know what they're getting into. If you're looking for Bloomsville Voliander, you can find it at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Booksamillion.com. You don't know what to buy, that uh, you know that wife, maybe you need to get her one more stock and stuff or Bloomsville Leander it would make a great option for you. And Stark Villains gear always available at StarkVillains.com. I love you all, wish you all the best of holiday seasons, and uh, we'll see you soon. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.